How's everybody doing this morning? You guys look amazing, like you got an extra hour of sleep or something. What's up with that? Isn't it good? I say we do that again next week. That sounds real good. Just keep going back an hour. It's great. You guys look good, and you're here on time. Wow. Some of you, you're amazing. Like, you don't have to tithe today. You were just on time. That was a gift, so it was awesome. So looking forward to what God has for us. Has this marriage series been a help? It's been good? You guys are not convinced. You're just like, man, my whole mood just dropped, just sunk. Has it been good or what? Man, this has been great. I've enjoyed studying this. It's been so helpful. Uh, how many of you remember week number one, we pulled out the mirror and the magnifying glass? Remember the mirror and the magnifying glass? Okay. And then week number two, we had two cans. And we said it's not about chemistry in the relationship because everybody's talking about chemistry. If I just have chemistry, then we won't have conflict. But how many of we know that chemistry only lasts until the first conflict? That's as long as it gets you. As soon as you have that first conflict, chemistry is over. So your relationship needs more than chemistry, and it needs more than just the right conditions. Well, if I just had the right conditions, if my wife was just hotter, if my husband just had a six-pack, if, if he just made hey, six figures, or, 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 if, or if she was just like a, a rich orphan or something, you know, if that would just make everything better, okay? That would just make my life so much better. And you're looking at all the conditions. You're saying that these conditions were right. But then we looked at the life of Esther, and we see that her conditions were not right. She's a minority in a country that does not accept her, and she's lost her parents. She loses her second set of parents, and yet it's out of those conditions she becomes the queen of this kingdom at that time. So we said it's not about chemistry. It's not about conditions. It's about the contents. That's what changes it, because we shook up two soda cans, and one soda can just exploded. The other one, we shook that one up, and we shook that one up, and we shook that one, and we opened, and nothing happened. Why? Because V8 doesn't have carbonation. Now, somebody got me this Kern's juice, and they said, at the store, it doesn't have carbonation. And it's a good thing I test my illustrations at home, because I'm just shaking it up. And then I was like, oh, this is good. And I was just going to, like, right in my face. It was great. I should have filmed it. It was, it, was, it was a moment, because they lied. Kern's does have carbonation, just enough where it would have ruined the illustration. But V8, even though it tastes nasty, it didn't have carbonation. Any V8 drinkers in the house? Oh, sick and disgusting. Man, you guys are going to live forever, but we hate you. My goodness, man. Choking on that stuff. It looked like spaghetti sauce. Honestly, that's what I think of. I think of this weird spaghetti sauce. Like, it just poured on my noodles or something, and it's all good. But we've been, we've been going through, and we've been looking at this, this character study of this life of Esther, this amazing, amazing woman, and how God used her in a profound way. And I love this book for so many reasons, because we're talking about conflict. And anytime you step into the ring of relationships, guess what you're going to have? Conflict. And it doesn't matter who you step into that ring with. You can get in on a business deal. You stepped into the ring of relationship. There's going to be conflict. Hey, you work for a boss. You stepped into the ring of a relationship. There's going to be conflict. Anything you do, you start having children or you have children. You stepped into the ring of relationship. And in that ring, there's going to be conflict. And anywhere you go, and I know some people, they just say, well, I'm going to isolate myself. I'm going to avoid all conflict. And it's impossible. You can't avoid conflict. So instead of saying, I'm trying to avoid conflict, we've said it like this. We've said, look, conflict doesn't have to cut through the relationship. We can cut through conflict. How do we do it? That's what we're learning. Today we're learning how to keep a cool head and a warm heart. That's the key. How do I, in the midst of conflict with the relationship, how do I have a cool head and a warm heart towards this person? Because isn't it amazing? The person you love the most, it seems like that person knows how to hurt you the most. 
It's like that person can give the death blow. I grew up playing Mortal Kombat. So you at the end, finish him. You know, and it was like your spouse knows the finishing move. They know the special move that'll just finish you, level you. Oh, yeah, I found the video game guys in here. Yes, I found my people, right? Throwback to the 90s, all right? I wasn't allowed to play Mortal Kombat, so I had to sneak over to my friend's house to play Mortal Kombat, all right? Because Mario Brothers doesn't have blood. Mortal Kombat did have the little fake blood on the screens. And now I go to my parents, and I was like, wait a minute, what you let my other siblings play was way worse than Mortal Kombat. It's amazing how there's a double standard in home sometimes. But it's okay, I'm not bitter. This is not my therapy session. This is yours, all right? We'll talk about that next week. But we're meeting this character by the name of Esther, and Esther helps us to see that God can take the most difficult of circumstances. And in this book, we see that God's not even mentioned. But even though God's not mentioned, you see this thread just woven through these 10 chapters and just his hidden hand at work. And so we're looking at this passage and we're looking today at how do we overcome conflict. And this is what we said. We said, fix the fight so the relationship wins. You're going to fight, so why not fix it so the relationship wins? So you can fight each other or you can say, no, 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 we're going to fight together to win the fight. I'm curious, is there any newly married people in the house? Like you've been married less than two years, less than two years. Anybody? Nobody less than two. Three years? Three years? Four years? Five? We got one that's five. There we go. It's amazing. It doesn't take long in a newly married relationship for there to be conflict, right? It's, it just doesn't take long at all. It could just happen. And all of a sudden, you got in the relationship. You, you, you thought, man, this is great. And I'm in a relationship. And then all of a sudden, there's just conflict. It doesn't take much. And so we're going to talk about three things. And you can write this down. I'm going to give you three points. I've kept it really simple. We're going to talk about division, distance, and decision. Those are the three points. You just write it down. You're ahead. For all of those that, man, you are just type A. You've got to have it written down. you got your notes. There you go. It's finished. All right. Awesome. Now we can pray. We're dismissed. Let's go eat lunch. Just kidding. we got a lot more to cover this morning. Let's dive into it. Let's notice chapter 2. Now, we're going to pick it up right after Esther has gotten married, verse 21. And we're going to pick it up right after Esther has been crowned queen. And let's go right into her new marriage relationship. Notice what happens. Verse number 21. During those days when Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Bigthan and Teresh, who served as keepers of the door, became angry and sought to attack King Ahasuerus. But the matter became known to Mordecai, and he reported it to Queen Esther. And Esther reported it to the king in the name of Mordecai. Now, this is, this is amazing, okay? Mordecai. This is uh, Esther's adopted father, and he's been protecting her, taking care of her. He becomes aware of this plot, and so he now has access to the queen. And so he tells the queen, and the queen tells the king, and we're thinking, this is going to be good. Because in those days, if you were to do something to save a king's life, there was typically a great reward. There was a promotion. There was a position given. Something great was going to happen. But notice, if you would, what happens in verse 23. When the matter was investigated and confirmed both men were hanged on the gallows and it was written in the book of the chronicles in the presence of the king where's the reward where's the promotion where's the new chariot where's the new penthouse on the top of the floor or whatever the high-rise place that they had at the time there's none of that matter of fact let's go to chapter three verse number one let's see who does get a promotion 
After these things, King Ahasuerus praised Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agathite, and promoted him and set a seat above all the officials who were with him. All the king's servants, when they were at the king's gate, bowed or paid homage to Haman since the king had commanded it. Mordecai, however, never bowed to pay homage. We see in the young marriage relationship the potential for a conflict. Because here's Esther. And she, scripture very clearly tells us, she told the king, hey, there's a plot. There's an assassination attempt on your life. But guess what? It wasn't me who found out about it. It was your servant, Mordecai. Mordecai, why do you think she brought that up? Because she wanted him to get the credit. How many times uh, in a relationship, you go to somebody to bring them information. But we don't just stop with bringing them information. We also try to give them instruction. Hey, I'm giving you this information. Now I want to tell you what to do with it. It's like this. Sometimes at my house, sometimes, not all the time, um, my wife will, will make these statements. The trash can is full. It's helpful information. It's very good information. This is great information. That is correct, honey, I say. It is full. And I go back to my computer. Does she stop with the information? No. Next comes the instruction. The trash can is full. Somebody should take it out. I look for a name tag. I don't have a name tag that says somebody. I'm off the hook. I'm good. I'm clear. How many know this is the recipe for a conflict waiting to happen? And it happens with something so small as that, doesn't it? It doesn't take long. Because here's what's happened. Oh, this house is a mess. I guess I will clean it. And that's where the conflict begins. Whenever somebody in the house starts announcing to everybody what should be done, you know bad stuff's about to go down. All right? Just, just, it's, it's about to get bad real fast. And they're not really concerned about taking out the trash or cleaning the house. They're just not. There's something else going on under the surface. Can I get a witness? Amen. That's good. Yes, there's something else going on. What is going on? Here's what's happening. It's an opportunity for an offense. It's an opportunity for an offense. Something's happened. Something's triggered a negative emotion. And now there's an opportunity for you to get offended. It's really simple, but it's a small little thing to get offended about. It's an offense. Like my little play on words? It's an offense. I worked on that all week and I get pity applause. That's pathetic. Man, a golf clap is louder than that. My goodness, man. But here's what happens. It just starts out as a small little thing. Just a small little thing. He golfs too much. He stays out too late with the guys. Oh, man, did you see the charges on her credit card? My goodness, what does she think? I'm a millionaire? Like, are you kidding me right now? And it's a small little offense. And what does this little offense do? It creates division. This right here creates division it's a small thing it's not even big in your relationship and it hasn't hasn't taken long but all of a sudden the offense turns into an opportunity to create division in your relationship here's one thing i want you to know satan's goal for your relationship is to divide it his goal is to destroy it and divide it adam and lisa can i borrow you two is that is that cool that'd be great This is an amazing couple. Let's give it up for this amazing couple. They are so awesome. They just celebrated, what, two weeks ago, 10 years? 10 years. Marriage experts right here. Experts, experts. So here is Satan's goal. Satan wants to take this wonderful couple, and he wants to do this. 
That's his goal. To divide, and then he can conquer. Then he could just get Adam. Oh, she doesn't love you. Oh, she doesn't like you. Or he gets over here. Oh, he works at Walgreens all the time just because he doesn't want to be home. He doesn't want to be around you. And all these thoughts start going through your mind where, where you guys come together and you guys come together and you're like, no, 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 we got a strong relationship. And what is Satan trying to do? He's trying to use anything he can to drive a wedge in their relationship. He'll use anything to just try to separate it. What's your guys' favorite restaurant? That's tough. He's smart. He's letting her pick. That's a good call. That's it. Guys, we don't have a favorite. Our favorite is her favorite. Just saying, just saying. That's what's smart right there. If you're smart, you take notes on that. My favorite is her favorite, okay? That's it, okay? So any, any, nothing. BJ's is great. That's a good place. So they, so, so they both love, conveniently, he loves BJ's and she loves BJ's. And it's amazing how on the way to BJ's, they're about to have a great time, how something that could separate on the way to BJ's, fighting over a parking space. Maybe he doesn't want his nice car dinged up, so he'd rather park farther away and get a little bit of exercise where she's like, no, I've been praying and God just opened up a spot. We need to park over there closer. And it's amazing how that can cause a division in the relationship. Now, here's an opportunity for Esther to have some division in the relationship, isn't it? Hey, you didn't treat my uncle right. You didn't treat Mordecai. This is my stepdad. This is the person who raised me. This is the person who looked after me. And, and, and you don't promote him? You don't recognize him? You don't do anything? Here's the thing. It's a minor offense. But isn't it amazing how a minor offense can make you mad? It's something minor. It's something so small and it's so tiny, but it's that thing that can divide you. Can I borrow you guys in just a few minutes? Go ahead and have a seat, but I'm going to call you guys up in just a second. Let's give them a round of applause. We're going to use them in just a minute. Here's the thing. It takes that minor little offense, and you can get mad. But here's the thing. You don't just stay mad, do you? You see, that minor offense that makes you mad, then mad turns into mean. Mm -hmm. It didn't just start off that, hey, uh, why are you back so late? Well, I was just hanging out with the guys. Well, that was three hours ago you said you'd be back. You're good for nothing. You're lazy. You're a liar. You're incompetent. You're a jerk. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, whoa, what, ha- what happened? Mad turned into mean. But mean doesn't stay mean, does it? It's, if it's festering, mean can turn into malice. Matter of fact, in chapter 3, you're going to be introduced to a new character who we're going to explore more next week. His name is Haman. Haman gets offended that Mordecai won't bow down. He gets so offended in chapter 3, verse 6, that he says, I'm going to kill every Jew in the kingdom. Whoa, whoa, buddy, that escalated quickly. Like, that didn't take long. And how many know there are those people that they're just extra sensitive? They just help, God just puts them in your life to grow in grace a little bit. And man, they just get easily offended. But I'm amazed at how we can be easily offended. And it's, it's, it's incredible because even as Christ followers, we're called to not be offended. But sometimes Christians can be the most offended people. Like the most. Like, oh, pastor didn't shake my hand. He must be mad at me. He must hate me. No, I just, I just, I'm just missed it. Oh, man, I said hi to pastor. I was yelling at him. Well, he's deaf. He, he honestly can't hear you. Like, he's got real problems, you know? And it's, just, it's amazing how we can get so easily offended over the smallest things. In a relationship, we can get so easily offended. And here's why. Because the person we love the best and we love them in our hearts, they know how to hurt us the most. It's the person you have in your heart that can hurt you the most. But there's something reassuring in knowing that that person you said, I made myself vulnerable to, that person won't hurt me but yet Haman he's got to go and he allows his moods to manage him and some of you that's you you're up and down up and down your moods are managing you and instead of having the right 
mindset, you're off into a mood. Oh, my mood is dictating. My mood is dictating that today I'm going to be offended. There's a song by Pink. I want to get in a fight. I know I shouldn't have listened to it. It's bad. You can judge me later. But anyway, so, but it's just, she, in the song, I woke up, I'm ready to get in a fight. I'm ready to go and just cause some trouble. And some of you wake up like that. My son, Austin, I love him to death, but I can see when he wakes up what kind of day he's going to have. Like, I just see it on his face. Like, he just gets up and he just, man, you just, it, that little, little, we, we take the spoons from Yogurtland and recycle those. That little spoon from Yogurtland, if he had his way, yeah, he, he would just stab you with it or something. There's some mornings, you know, he just woke up and he's grumpy, right? And it's just one of those days for him. And some of you, you're like that. It's just like, oh, yeah, come at me. I got my offense ready. I am ready. I am easily offended. Easily. Like, you're just ready. But you're not just one. You're like, oh, yes, today's going to be a really good day. Two for one offense today. That's you. You're just like, yeah, bring it. I'm ready to get offended, and I can't wait to have some division in my relationship, okay? And so what happens is we let something that is minor, it's minor. We let it become major. We let it make us mad. We let that anger turn into malice. And it destroys. And you could see two people that said they loved each other, said they were committed to each other. And all of a sudden now, there is so much division. But as soon as you have division, that's not where it stops. You see, I love this. The the writer of Proverbs said this. He said in Proverbs 17, 9, he said, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. But there's those that say, hey, you know, I'm not going to fight about this because I'm seeking love. I seek something in a relationship. You see, where faults are thin, love, uh, where, where faults are thick, love is thin. And it's easy how, how we could just dive into a relationship. But it starts with division. But then division doesn't just stay there. Division then leads to distance. We're going to build something real quick. And I, I just feel like a mental image will just help us. So we're going to build something this morning. And I think this will be a powerful tool to help you just picture what happens in a relationship When we don't deal with things. Adam, Elisa, can I borrow you one more time? Adam was here in the first service, so he kind of knows what's going on. Elisa, if you could stand in front, and Adam, if you could stand in the back. It's amazing how what can happen is you got a great relationship, but then there's some things that go unspoken. Some things that go unresolved. Can you hold this for a second? And Elisa, can you hold this? Hopefully you guys don't get splinters. Don't sue us. And uh, what happens is we just start building something. And it just starts one thing at a time. You didn't fill up the gas in the car. You left it for me. I got in the next morning. I had a busy morning. There was no gas in the car. An offense. Yep, you went on that shopping spree. You didn't tell me how much you were going to spend. What is it? It's an offense. You were on Facebook. And... You spent the whole night. You didn't look at me the entire night. You were just on Facebook. How are all your Facebook friends doing? Well, your real relationship's doing terrible. And uh, you're just adding on. And isn't it amazing? None of these are big things. None of these are big things. Your marriage is not being ruined because of some big thing. Now, there are big blowouts, but most of the time, it's a small offense. Most of the time, it's just that little thing that you just thought, man, I'm just going to build this. And what's What happened, it started with some division. Now you're building 
some distance. And so what we have now is we have a fence of offense. May I borrow this? Thank you. So once was a beautiful, wonderful relationship. Oh, good save. Almost lost our fence. Is now... on the brink, how are we going to survive? And here's a, here's a couple that once used to be really close, a couple that once used to uh, spend all this time together. Now it's like, hey, how are you? We haven't talked in a while. We haven't gone to Chili's or BJ's in a while. When are we going to BJ's? And what happened? Because now, now you've got, and it, it just started with something so simple. But now what do we have? We have a whole fence, a whole barrier. But what started as division has now created distance in the relationship. And it started with something so small. You see, Esther, here's what's amazing about Esther. She has the opportunity to do this. She can do this exact same thing. She, there's an opportunity for offense. I, wanna, I want you to write this down. Offense is an event. Offended is a decision. Offense is an event. Offended is a decision. And in every relationship, every, every relationship you get in, you're going to have a choice on what you're going to do with the offense. You have a decision to make. Hey, I've been offended, okay? Am I going to accept that? Am I going to take that? Because many of us, we're looking at our relationships. We're saying, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can keep going with this person because you built up this fence and now the fence is so big, it's so high, it just seems like the relationship's doomed. And you don't know what to do about it because you've got this huge fence. But I want you to see what Esther does. Chapter 6, we see it's all connected to the same story. The Bible actually tells us what Esther does. The Bible says in chapter 6 of, of Esther, it says, That night the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. He's having a trouble sleeping. All of a sudden, he's like, hey, I know what to put me to sleep. Just bring out the Chronicles. This is like the old encyclopedia. You can't, you can't sleep. Pull out those suckers. Man, those are great. So he pulls it out. And it just so happens, I don't think there's any coincidence in the Bible. It just so happens they open a certain book a certain page, and it was found recorded that Mordecai had exposed Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. Here's what King Xerxes asked. He says, what honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. I don't know how much time transpired between chapter 2 and chapter 6, but we know it was some time. You know what this says about Esther? says she didn't bring it up. There was an opportunity for an offense. She doesn't bring it up. Because he would have remembered, right? He would have done something. Hey, when are you going to reward my, my, my uncle Mordecai? When are you going to do something? When are you going to fix that fence? Hey, when are you going to fix that leaky pipe? Hey, when are you going to fix the refrigerator? Hey, when are you going to do this? And I'm, and I, and I'm just, just going on for a second, but it, it just sometimes we can just get, just get going on things. We just, hey, bring up stuff. Just bring up stuff. But here's Esther. Instead, she decides, you know what? I'm just going to leave it. You see, here's what happens. Oftentimes, we think to have a great relationship We look at a great relationship, and many of us think that when it comes to having this awesome relationship that we all want, many of us, we feel like it's based on a disposition. Well, Esther was just unique. She was just special. It was just a disposition. A happy marriage, a happy relationship is a disposition. No, it's not. A happy relationship is not a disposition. It's a decision. 
I would write that down. A happy relationship is not a disposition. It's a decision. Touch your neighbor and say, it's a decision. It's a decision. It's not a disposition this morning. Many of you, you're waiting for a disposition. You're waiting till you say it, feel it. When I feel like forgiving, then I'll forgive you. You know how many times I, as a pastor, feel like forgiving people? Never. Because I'm sinful. And I sometimes just don't like people. All right? And it's just one of those things where it's just like, I don't want to forgive. I don't want to forgive. But you know what I've got to do? I can either say, yeah, this fence will stand here. I could be offended, and I've built an offense. And what's going to happen to the relationship if that stays? The distance will grow, won't it? Or I can make a different decision. Esther said, hey, I've just gotten into this new relationship. Hey, I can allow this offense to drive division and create distance. Or I can do something else unique with this relationship. Some of you, you've been offended. You really have. And it hurt what they said. It hurt what they did. And you can drive that. Sometimes you go by a restaurant and you're like, remember that place? Remember BJ's? Remember that argument? Uh Uh-huh, that was some humdinger. Yeah, we're not going to forget that. You're like, whoa, that was like 10 years ago. Like, wow. Like, we're bringing that up today. What what happened? And and it's just something pops up on their mind. They're just like, oh, I remember when you said that, you did that. How many of you said something unintentional that came across intentional? You ever done that? Where you said something unintentional, but it intentionally kind of, they took it intentional? You're like, I was just kidding. I just make it up. My wife and I used to play the punch bug game. And how many know the punch bug game? Anybody? Anybody? Don't play it with your spouse. Guys, don't. Just don't. Especially when you have like ninja-like re- reflexes like me. I saw a punch bug, and man, I just went for it. And that was bad. It was really bad. And it was like, I felt so terrible. I felt terrible. Now whenever she sees a punch bug, she's like, no, I'm just kidding. She doesn't. But it's like, she sees it and she's like, yeah, remember that game we used to play? I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. We won't play that game anymore. And it's just bring it up. So here's what you do. You can take your offense. Can you hold that? Adam, can you step out in the light? And you get one too. Here's what you guys can do. You guys can hang on to your offense. You say, I'm going to drive this and drive it and drive it. And man, remember what you said in 1942 and remember what you did. Remember that girl that you saw and remember that guy. Remember that time I told you not to buy that, not to wear that, not to go there, not to say that. And you did it. And you could just drive it. And it's funny because sometimes when we get in a relationship, you get in an argument. What do you do? You bring it all up, don't you? It's like, this is my chance. Oh, yeah, baby, buckle up. Get the gloves on. This is going to be fun. Yes, I get to pay back. I got some boards for you. I'm about to beat you over the head with this board is what I'm about to do. Or you can do something different. And this may be exactly the key for you. It's to pick it up, and you've got these boards. And here's what you could do if you don't mind holding that. And Lisa, if you don't mind, you can drive it, or you can drop it. Do you mind dropping your board? mind dropping your board you get to make the decision you could say yeah we can have this wall this wall will stand here for the rest of our rest of the message maybe (laughs) or we could drop it it's your decision let's go ahead and let's drop it drop it drop it Drop it. Drop it. Can you give him a round of applause?
Your relationship will not get better as long as this fence is up. And many of you have all kinds of reasons, all kinds of excuses. You were hurt. They did that. And I'm not, I'm not excusing the pain that you feel. It's real. It's real pain. It's real hurt. But I want to give you something very practical. How do you keep a cool head and a warm heart when you say, I'm just dropping it? And I know some of you, you're like, how long you've been married? Dude, you look like you're 15 and a half. You've been married for like three days. Like you're telling me marriage advice, just drop it. Just drop it. I wish I could do that this week. Just drop it, honey. Just drop it. And I, I know how you're thinking right now. You're like, I, I got you. I'm going to be telling my spouse this week when we're in an argument, the pastor said just to drop it, honey. Just drop it. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. Just drop it bringing out holy water, and you're like, Pastor, it didn't work. I'm divorced. Thank you. You know, and it's no. You see, here's, here's, the, here's the real key, and I wish I came up with this. I didn't, but here's what you want to do. You want to share with holds. You say, what do you mean? And I would write this down because I think it's a game changer in your relationship because what happens in a relationship is there's an offense, and it's going to happen. We pretty much offend that person we love the most every day. That's just the reality. You offend that person every day. Sometimes you breathing offends them, okay? I'm just going to say that. They don't like the way you breathe, all right? Especially at night when you're snoring. They just don't like it. They just don't, okay? So sometimes it can be as simple as eat. I just don't like the way you chew. I don't like the way your face looks. I mean, it's just anything. You can just get so offended over a little thing, and you're holding this. You're like, okay, I just dropped it. I just dropped it, and they didn't really fix anything. Here's what you have to actually have to do. It's called withholds. You need to get with that spouse, that person that you're in a relationship with, and say, hey, we need to share withholds. Here's what you do, okay? You write down two positive things that they have done recently that you have not expressed to them. You have not told them that they have done that were good. And then you write down one negative. I call this the crap sandwich. (laughs) Two good things, one bad thing, and you're about to eat it, all right? That's what it is. Sorry to get a little bit negative in church, all right? But you're going to say, it's time, honey, baby, to eat some crap sandwiches. And what you do is you both, at the end of the night, you don't take long. You say, hey, we're going to write down our withholds. I've got two negatives, I've got one positive, and it's, it's, it's two positives, one negative, because here's what happened. At first, you're like, no, we love each other. No, we don't ever fight. We don't ever argue. But then you get that piece of paper. You're like, oh, my goodness, yeah. There's like, you, you start getting poetic. You're like, Shakespeare wasn't this good, you know? And uh, it's two positives. It's one negative. Now, what happens is one will go first. Usually, the wife will go first. And she'll say, you know what? Yesterday, I was really frustrated, and you just took the kids, and you took them out of the house, and you gave me some peace and quiet man that meant a lot to me and then man just last week I was so tired and I got home and man you just gave me a foot massage and you stopped with just a foot massage like it wasn't going to anything else it wasn't like a leading foot massage it wasn't like yeah baby this is gonna be a good foot massage I'm gonna keep on working my way up no no it stopped at the feet like that was just great you let me sleep and all the married people are like yeah we know Uh uh-huh yeah 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 sorry ladies yeah we're guilty and um you know and it's one of those things where you're like man that just meant so much but here's the negative the negative is you just keep coming home later and later and I work so hard to make dinner. I get the kids ready. I work so hard. And then you show up late. The food's cold. And then you complain it didn't taste very good. Well, it did an hour ago. It just, now it's old and it's cold and you're frustrated. And you say, well, what is my response once where they share that withhold? It's not, I'm sorry. You may not be sorry. So why lie? 
It's this. Thank you. That's it. You say thank you. They shared it with you. You know how much stuff goes unspoken even in your closest relationship that you just don't say? Now, here's what you do. If you're on the other end of that, you don't go, oh, I'm changing my three. You're going to bring up those? Oh, yeah, I got a list, baby. Get ready. It's coming. No, no, you don't get to rewrite. You wrote yours. That's it. You stick with yours, all right? And then all you say is thank you. You don't stonewall. You don't get defensive. Well, I come home late because I'm making money. All right, I got to keep the lights on. I got to pay for your hair. I got to pay for your nails. I got to pay for school. I got to pay for, no, 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 you don't do any of that. Just thank you. That's all you do. And then you share your two positive and your one negative. And then she says, thank you. And you get up and you go on with your day. You say, why do you go on with your day? You need to give yourself time to actually think about what they brought up. And sometimes that time, you're like, yeah, I should deal with that. They got it off their chest. didn't pile up. Because if you never deal with it, you're going to step on this emotional landmine, blow up, and you're going to deal with all this. But each day, you're just dealing with it. Now, there's a reason it's a two-to-one ratio. Did you see it? Two positive, one negative. We're usually the opposite, aren't we? Actually, we're like 10 to zero. I got a bunch of negative. And there's no positive. And nobody can go into a relationship without being kind of given some life. So as Esther went through, the Bible says that the king, he didn't know about it. Esther had an opportunity to bring up an offense where she could make a big deal about something. She's a queen now. She's got power now. She's got position now. And what does she do with it? She drops it. And I know, I know. In every relationship here, there's something that you are holding right now that you haven't told your spouse. You haven't told your boyfriend, you haven't told your girlfriend, but you're holding this. There's a New Testament passage, and it says that you can see the speck in other people's eyes, but you don't see the plank in your own. We're all holding a plank. Specks make up a plank. Many of you today need a drop. It takes one to forgive. It takes two to reconcile. It takes one to forgive, two to reconcile. You want to change your relationship? You have to get real good at that. 